Hello and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 148. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're going to be discussing Star Trek Enterprise's fourth season episodes, In a Mirror Darkly, parts one and two, and we will be doing them as uh, one discussion. Here we go. In a Mirror Darkly, parts one and two, season four, episodes 18 and 19, production numbers 418 and 419, original air dates April 22nd and 29th, 2005, directed by James L. Conway and Marvin B. Rush, part one written by Michael Sussman, part two story by Manny Cotto, teleplay by Michael Sussman, music composed by Kevin Kiner and Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Vaughn Armstrong as Captain Maximilian Forrest, Frank Ross as Grizzled Man, Caroline Bilskis as Montana Earthwoman, Gary Graham as Crewman Soval, Gregory Itson as Admiral Black, John Mann as Admiral Gardner, Derek Magyar as Ensign Kelby, and Majel Barrett as Defiant Computer Voice. The year is 2063. A Vulcan ship lands on Earth, making first contact with humans, as seen in Star Trek First Contact. Instead of peacefully greeting them, Zephyrin Cochran shoots the lead Vulcan, and the humans storm and loot the ship. Set in the mirror 2155 present, the ISS Enterprise learns of a starship from the future of the Prime Universe, which is being stripped for parts by the Tholians. Commander Archer seeks to take command of Enterprise from Captain Forrest and take the Federation USS Defiant from the Tholians for himself. Do you think the commanders will support you? They're loyal to the Emperor. They don't really care who it is. By the time the fleet arrives, the reign of Emperor Jonathan Archer will have already begun. In a Mirror Darkly. In a Mirror Darkly. Gosh, what fun these episodes, especially the first one. I gotta say, you know, that that incredible opening teaser with the first contact <laughs> play, mm-hmm. uh, followed by the the awesome, you know, opening uh, credits montage. Um, <laughs> that's so neat. No, no other Star Trek has done that, right? They've never right. done an alternate open, with, especially with you know, alternate music and everything. And it's so cool. It's also fun if you're like a, just a, a movie fan because there are a couple of clips in there. You're like, oh, I know what that is. I know what that's yeah. from. I know what that's from. That's kind of fun. Um, but yeah, that whole bit at the beginning, I mean, you could tell what they did. Obviously, they didn't, they didn't get James Cromwell, but they got you know, somebody to shoot him from the neck down <laughs> uh, that looks like him or enough with the, the uniform and, or his outfit, his costume. Um, but I actually just watched First Contact the other night, so that made it even more fun to watch this now. <laughs> um, but yeah, that whole thing was so, so much fun. I remember seeing this for the first time and, and having such a blast with that, with the opener. Um, I almost wish, I mean, I remember now, you know, of course, they seen the trailers before it came out, but how cool would it have been if you had no idea if you hadn't even seen a trailer. <laughs> yeah, they even got Jerry Goldsmith's music in there. Um, and then we're off to the races. Um, who wants to start? Lenny, which one? Steve? Adam? You go ahead, Steve. Well, uh, yeah, so uh, especially for Trek fans, there's a lot of things to enjoy here. As you already uh, pointed out, the first contact uh, alteration um, the uh, it's it's really interesting to just totally be, and this is really the only time in the mirror universe. As many episodes there were in Deep Space Nine, and then of course the one in the original series is the only time where you just have. There, I mean, yes, it touches on 
uh, the universe we know, but usually, of course, there's some kind of interaction with characters uh, from the uh, from the nor- the universe as we know it, the prime universe. And so this this is a very unusual situation, but. It's fun. It's fun to see the characters get to do different things. The actors, I'm sure, are enjoying it. Um, a lot of um, I don't know, costume things, appearance things are fun. There's some little nuggets for Trek fans as you go. Um, a variety, a variety of that kind of stuff. I always enjoy these episodes. It's a it's a fun two parter, and uh, it's nice to have another chapter in the uh, kind of the mirror universe saga, so we can see a little more breadth to that universe. Adam, what are some of your uh, first thoughts? My first thoughts are pretty similar to you guys. Um, I really enjoyed these episodes. I remember enjoying them quite a bit when they first um, came out years and years ago. Um, the Mirror Universe is always a lot of fun. It was way fun in DS9. I enjoyed the story arc that they had just in the DS9 series, you know, which was unique to Deep Space Nine. Um, but here, yeah, obviously, this is the only time they go to the Mirror Universe. Um, it's kind of an homage, again, to the original series. Um, we'll probably get into it here in a little bit, but, you know, you have the USS Defiant, which goes back to Deep Space Nine, and then you have, you know, it looks like the original Enterprise in every aspect. So you have that. It's a lot of fun. Um, I I enjoyed them. I thought they were really good. So um, there's something for every, you know, there's something, you know, what's cool about these episodes, there's a little something for every Star Trek generation, you know, for the, you know, the people who grew up watching it in the 60s and the 70s, um, um, for guys like us who started watching Star Trek in the 80s, um, all the way all, through, all the way through Enterprise. So um, they're, it's, they're good shows. I think the thing I enjoy the most in this episode is how, especially the first step part, Somehow, I, I feel like I enjoyed the first part more than the second part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. S- s- slightly. But it just might be because there's so much like data download in the first episode. It's so dense. So maybe some of that's just burned off by the time you get to episode two. But that's what I enjoy the most. It, it's so incredibly dense. Um, not only the obvious, like, you know, all the references and the. Um, the sets and all that stuff, but just just how like how nutty the story is and stuff. You know, it's like a it's simultaneously a a, a prequel to Mirror Mirror, but a sequel to Tholi and Webb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's it's so crazy. Or the the scene when Archer is like explaining about the ship and the Tholians and how the ship was found or whatever. You know, I mean that scene. If you think about what he's saying and think about that's that's a, it's a it's nuts. Mm-hmm. You know, but it. Basically, it makes sense if you're a Star Trek fan, <laughs> certainly if you're a Star Trek fanatic. But in, I mean, in addition to all that level of density, um, there's so many like little lines that are just kind of thrown out there, hinting about the the history of the Mirror Universe that we don't know a lot about. Um, Sato has some line to Archer about if the admirals hadn't conspired against you, you'd have been a captain already. Um, Archer says something to to Paul. That implies the Vulcans were are, are Terran slaves or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's 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 tons of little stuff like that about hinting up just just throwaway lines that are like defining the entire universe over here because because they have that kind of room, I suppose. But um, well, arguably, this is the earliest we we see the mirror universe, right? Right. Uh, sure. 
of course, the, the fact that they don't have any actual characters crossing over means it doesn't violate canon since, you know, the original series crossover it was the first time that the main, you know, the prime universe, whatever you want to call it, actually interacts with the mirror universe or actually discovers the mirror universe, I should say. So mm-hmm. that all makes some sense. Um, so that's, that's what I this, – this episode is just so dense and full that every second <laughs> there's something for you. You know, you can watch it a couple of times and still, you know, find stuff that you missed. Um, yes, they're obviously having a lot of fun with all the different characters, um, all our main stars getting to do uh, different things. Well, I don't know. Everybody seems really different, but Archer seems just like Archer from season three, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's probably not nice. Um <laughs> Like Mayweather, Mayweather didn't get to do much as usual, but I almost think he looks the coolest. Yeah, yeah you know <laughs> that, that little earring he's got—he looks like a badass. <laughs> uh, the hair kind of was a bad, badass. Yeah, yeah. The haircut and the earring and all. Yeah, it's like he, yeah, the hair. Bill did uh, from the '90s or something. You know, he's kind of got yeah. <laughs> and he's still kind of you know. I mean, it's it's Sato, of course, who really uh, wins the day, but Mayweather's right next to her. Uh, well, so, well, it's funny, those two, you know, I mean, Sato and, and Mayweather, you know, they're secondary characters, and, you know, we've given um, yeah. Mayweather a hard time over the years, but it's, and, and Sato, maybe just because of that, you know, we can debate that later, but they're the two on top at the end of this episode, where the, all the, everybody else is either dead or very injured. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, of course, we get to see, certainly, in, well, in part two, we get to see, like, in... The mirror universe, Saval. He's got he's got the beard. <laughs> yeah. Um, um. I love the Tholian stuff. Actually, mm-hmm. See, actually seeing a more than a you know seeing a Tholian like more than just his head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always remember the Tholian head from the. That wasn't one of the images in the. No, that wasn't in the closing credits. I just I don't. I, it's weird that I remember how the Tholian looked in the original series so well. If he was only if they were only really in the one episode. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um. You know, seeing the Tholians and the Tholian web. Oh, I remember. We've seen their ships before in Enterprise, but we didn't actually see the Tholians. Right. In, yeah. in Enterprise, the original series, we just saw their heads, right? Anyway, um, that stuff, and um, there's, there's just so much great stuff. Uh, yeah, actually, you know, one thing I love, I guess, again, it was it was this episode, not the second part, but um, T'Pol used a mind mill to do, like, Evil, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before, have we? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. No. That that was really. When you think about it, that is incredibly dark. Mm-hmm. Would you call that a mine? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just says that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean that stuff is that stuff is great. Um. Mm. Um, I did have a question. What was um, the insignia on the original uniforms? Is that the you know when they got to the Defiant and they you know they all you know they had the red shirt and the uh, blue like shirt? Side, I think I, I, was different. Say the insignia. Now. Well, no, just the the insignia on their chest. Was, was Every different? ship is different, right? And uh, they were different. Not that's what I was thinking. Okay, that's yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. We saw that a little bit in the original series, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, that's not the case in other shows 
Right. Uh, I and I didn't really realize it until I listened to the commentary, the newest commentary on I think part one. But um, they even like when they went aboard the Defiant, the uh, the captain and the crewman in front of the captain's chair, the position they were in is the same position and the same look that Kirk saw when he was phasing in and out in the the Tholian uh, web episode. Oh, that's cool. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was reading um, I read somewhere that there was a rumor that Shatner was going to be in these or well I think it was when they originally pitched versions of that over the years but yeah they were trying to get Shatner and one of the stories they kind of came up with to try to get him was some kind of mirror universe thing Um, I think I heard that basically he just wanted too much money yeah that's that's what it came down to. They had a big I mean yeah, the plot was basically he was going they were going to show the birth of the mirror universe by the Tantalus field from uh Mirror Mirror actually didn't kill people but put them in the past in an alternate universe which is where or, or put or something like that effect or put them in the past and so you had um the Enterprise crew with Tiberius old older Tiberius and then trying to get back to his universe and through his actions ends up creating the mirror universe or something to that effect. And yeah, he just wanted too much money. Hmm. Yeah, okay. Where did you get that level of – do you remember where you, you learned all that? I think it was in the extras on the, the discs. Somewhere oh. either in the doc- documentary, some kind, some kind on of the extra. New, on the new Blu-rays or the old yes, the, the Oh, okay. I haven't watched yeah. the extras on the Blu-rays yet. I, I do that at the end. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. I think it was in a writer, one of the writer forum type things or something. Okay. Interesting. So, yeah. that's There you go. He wanted too much money. Well, I, I also remember, wasn't there also something about, maybe this is in there too, but about Shatner was just going to be the, the chef on that on the last episode? Yeah, there was there was that some that was a separate attempt, but I think the end the reason is the same. <laughs> oh, you know, more or less, you know. I think that would have been a little bit of an uproar if that's if he had just come on as the chef. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, an mean, ancestor of Kirk was the chef that you never. I see. Yeah, yeah. I see. Ah, all right. Well, anyway, so I'm glad they didn't do that. Um, what did you guys think of the uh, Gorn? I didn't care for it. I don't yeah. mind them using the character. I, yeah, I just I didn't think the CG was that great. But they probably. Well, I don't know. I wonder if they could have done it with a. It's hard to imagine doing it with a costume, but mm-hmm. they've True. done. I mean, it seems like they've done similar things in more modern treks with costumes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It also felt like like much of the second part, frankly, feels like it's kind of filling space because they're, yeah. they're just trying to kill time. I mean, it's cool. It's like a yet another original series nod. Oh, the Gorn. Everyone knows Gorn from the original series. But it feels like there, a lot of the second part does feel like you're filling time. Yeah, it didn't really seem – I mean, other than getting Prime Archer in a Mirror Archer's head, I mean, I don't – yeah, I mean, I, I think there was there was a lot of fill. I'd agree with Steve in the second episode. I didn't quite get that whole plot line there where they were going well, with that. It, it is fun, you know. I mean, the second part is is the one that's predominantly that, that predominantly has the Defiant. Um, mm-hmm. It's certainly fun to see our Enterprise crew oh, on yeah. the the Defiance on you know basically original series sets and of course those 
wearing those those uh, costumes. That is fun. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, rather quickly, you're like, okay, well, I want, I need that. That wears off enough that you you find yourself wanting more story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would have preferred um, a longer mutiny story, maybe. Well, that, like I said, that first part feels so dense, but some of that just has to be, you know. Oh, when I say about I mean, the mirror universe. No, I mean when I say mutiny to Paul trying to take over or destroy the ship. Maybe that plot. Ah, okay. A little yeah. more. Sorry. Yeah. Um. Well, you know, it's interesting. Steve, you mentioned how you know this is the first time we've seen that we're in a mirror universe episode that is the whole that is mirror universe start to finish. There is no crossover. Mm-hmm. There is no um, whatever you want to say uh, prime to prime universe um, character coming in here. Uh, we're in, in both the original series and DS Nine. The prime universe character was there to say. Um, you know, this is bad what you're doing, and you should be good. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, well, in a, well, in a way, the the defiant is that character because the databases, and you know, they can see what. Yeah. They, I mean, so, so that's what I was going to ask about. So, so we had, you know, we basically see the non-Terrans, the 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 Vulcans, a couple of Vulcans, and a Denobulan, um get inspired a little bit by the data in that database. Mm-hmm. And some of this stuff, it was fun because a little bit of it. I mean, it felt like, like for, like they were, like we were seeing the beginnings of um, the mirror universe. Uh, like the way, okay, put it another way. So, so for example, in the mirror universe, especially original series, which you know, we Enterprise goes into original series way more than it goes into. DS9, right? So, um, especially like original series Mirror Universe, it was like whoever can get away with killing the captain can be the captain. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot less. But here, like Archer, when he takes over, he does not immediately kill Forrest, first of all. Secondly, him taking over is a little bit more of a big deal. Like he sends a message to mm-hmm. Starfleet or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying it's a, it's a little bit less ruthless. It's a little bit less cutthroat. Mm-hmm. This this mirror universe, but we see Archer talking as he's going a little bit nutty with you know talking to himself. Which those things I thought were maybe okay on paper. They didn't they didn't feel they didn't quite live up to what they I think they were shooting for. But anyway, um, Archer talks about he's like faulting the Empire's leaders. You know when he he has that scene in. What's it called? The Avenger. The he has that scene in in the Avengers shuttle bay where he's talking to the crew, maybe from both mm-hmm. ships, and right. he's faulting the Empire's leaders and and kind of talking about why they need to go take over, basically. Um, and you get this sense that this is not ordinary for them. Um, uh, this this sort of you know mutiny. Um, so it kind of makes you. It made me feel like, oh, I'm I'm seeing the birth of the the kind of ruthless automatic um, mutiny, constantly shuffling um, the leaders of the empire. 
uh, world that the original series Mirror Universe is. I'm seeing the birth of that here. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. kind of what I felt like. Maybe I'm reading too much into what they were doing, but that made it more fun for me too. Mm-hmm. Oops. Um, hmm. What was your favorite scene in this episode, Steve? Favorite scene in either episode. Hmm. Well, let's assume that it that it would be a Sato scene. But if we didn't, (laughs) right, right, just if we weren't thinking like that. Gosh, Um, it's difficult because yeah because the like the pace of the first part is so is so as you said it's so dense it's so quick and the second part feels like they're filling time yet i can you know point out certain things obviously it's of course cool when you get on the ship on the uh defiant and you know lights up and it feels like the original series ship and you know the sounds the uh yeah look the all i mean that's that's pretty magical you know i mean you know that's for a trek fan that's that's pretty awesome um I mean that kind of stands out in my mind when I think about it. I think it's the mere universe. I also think about the um, you know basically recreating um, so much of the original Enterprise ship, or at least what appears to be in the uniforms and all that. I mean, I think that's that's the most fun part, really. That's what that's what I think of when I think of this episode. But there are a lot of little things that I enjoy and. Um, this little nods. The more you know about Trek, the more you can get out of it kind of thing. Yeah, I kind of have to agree with Steve on all those points. Um, I have a hard time just really pin. I would have a hard time pinpointing one scene. It's just more of the feel, the look, and the texture. I, I enjoyed the, um, you know, if we want to talk about special effects, I didn't care for the Gorn, but I did really enjoy seeing the Defiance in um, battle mode, you know, modern, you know. I'm, we're used to seeing, you know, for me, yeah. I haven't, like, just I have, sitting I'm, there, I'm, the original yeah, series. Yeah, the original series. I haven't seen the new. I'm looking forward to the when we start doing the original series and seeing the new effects and stuff like that. But that was cool, just seeing modern effects with the with the old with the, basically the old Enterprise. It's a Defiant, but it's the Enterprise. Same thing. So I enjoyed those. I enjoyed the interactions between the characters. I mean, um, this is. I think this is my favorite Paul uniform. By the way, I'll just put, throw that out there. But, <laughs> she has um, a large midriff. It's it. I, I mean, of course, she's a beautiful woman and sexy. Especially here, but it's almost too big. It's like almost her top is almost like too high. It makes her belly and midriff seem almost too big. It's weird. <laughs> oh, it's almost it's odd. The distortion, the the ratio or something is weird somehow. Okay, yeah, that didn't cross my mind, but thanks for pointing <laughs> out. <laughs> um, no, I, I think Mayweather I, comes I, off looking the best. He he looks great. Um. Yeah, Archer looks good in his green uniform. It almost seems like he had some Kirk mannerisms in this. He was had his chest barreled out. Yeah. Way um Shatner did back in the old days. Um. So there were a lot of cool things like that. I I kind of enjoyed the fight between um Sato and DePaul. Not for obvious reasons. Just the, it was the banter. It was kind of funny when um you're talking about love making and she's like, yeah, I should give you tips. <laughs> give you the tips. <laughs> so just a little banter, like or something. Yeah, I mean it's kind of yeah. I mean, and there and that's throughout this throughout the whole two parters. There's a lot of like one liner. You know, this, these guys don't get along and they don't seem to like each other very much. So it's nice to. It was cool to see that interaction with them, quibs and barbs, and just at some points just ready to kill each other. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I would say. I mean, I, I, I really do enjoy that scene when, in the, I guess, ready room or wherever, where Archer is explaining, you know, the, giving them the briefing about the ship and stuff. Um, just because it's so batty when you really think about it. <laughs> well, it came from the future, but in a, from another universe, and it, I don't know. Um, but I think my the scene I enjoyed the most, I guess it would have been, is at the beginning of part two when Sato goes into is it. Is it the captain's quarters or whatever? And Archer's got on that uniform for the uh-huh. first time. Sure. Uh-huh. He's like standing. There's a little bit of the, the, like you were saying, Adam, the Kirk move or something. But the way he's standing, like he's got his leg propped up and he's kind of got his arms outstretched. Like, look at me, you know. Yeah. Um, that whole scene is just so, it's so, it's so original series-y, but it's, but from an observer's from an observer's point of view or something because they're like reading about their prime timeline uh-huh. their prime universe characters and e- to each other <laughs> um i don't know it's it's somehow that scene was like the most fun to me I, even mm-hmm. if maybe it wasn't intended to be that way but i but i really enjoyed that scene a lot um and oddly the thing that i you know if i had to pick one thing that i remembered the best having not watched this episode probably I probably haven't watched these episodes in a decade. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because it feels like the you know the the DVDs were the last time I watched these episodes, which was maybe a year or two after the show came ended. Right? Yeah. Um, so it's probably been a decade since I watched these. Um, and the thing that I remembered the best was that last shot of 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 Hoshi saying. This is, you know, I'm I'm Empress Sato. <laughs> Somehow that was the thing that stuck with me the most. Um, yeah, I don't know, just this sense that, you know, she she's the captain's consort, but she's just been scheming all along to <laughs> take over everything. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so so good episodes, and uh, oddly, yes, the the first one is is a lot. It's it's stronger than part two. Um, but I can't imagine watching part one without watching part two. Yeah, yeah. You know, they really, they need each other. Um, so, yeah, a lot of fun. Sounds like we all, we all enjoy these, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, cool. Um, let's see. All right. Um, what are these episodes about? They're about a lot of fun. Um, I don't know. You could, I, you know, what's kind of fun about the Amir universe, and especially this episode and and the one from the original series. Um, we get to see kind of the reverse side of it in Deep Space Nine. But I mean, you can kind of see that. You know, there's a line that um, DePaul gives in this episode. You know, humanity will pay for its arrogance, and it kind of shows. This universe kind of shows the worst qualities of humanity. Um, and I like that about these, you know, I kind of like looking at, looking at a darker side. I mean, yes, they're a lot of fun. We all enjoy them, but it's, it's also kind of looking at a darker side of humanity in a, in a, in a, in a, in an entertaining way. So I think that's kind of what these episodes to me are about. Um, I know in deep space nine, we have the reverse, you know, um, the Terrans have been defeated and they're kind of on the reverse side of that, but those episodes don't really work unless you have these episodes from this series and the original series, when you see how terrible humanity has gotten and how greedy and murderous and awful they are. So, 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think if there's any kind of like lesson or whatever, you, you see the 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 kind of culture, the kind of world you have when um, power-hungry, xenophobic, you know, that, those kind of traits are what's are what's predominant in humanity. And they, hey, they, I said no election talk. Okay. <laughs> 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 so they, they you know they, they and they they touch on this pretty directly because they they have the history they have the records of the the universe we know and they're comparing and they're kind of like laughing it off and oh federation and accepting all this but then you know the uh, Vulcans the Nobulans they see that I mean it's um, ultimately everyone's stronger um, and we have a we have a it's a, a more uh, it's, it's let's see it's it's a more unified peaceful world with people working together and accepting of one another and and not dominating one another and so forth cool very cool um nice that these were the you know some of the last episodes of enterprise you know um you know Final episode, notwithstanding, you know you you feel like they they're going out on a high point, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's do six degrees for in a mirror darkly one and two. Adam, are you going first or second? Um, I'll go first. Why not? Gregory Itson plays Admiral Black, the admiral that Archer helps vaporize. <laughs> in DS9's sixth season, he played one of Morn's known associates. From the Lesepian Mother's Day heist, name the episode where everyone thinks Morn is dead. I think I've asked for that episode title before. <laughs> Something about it. So it's um, Who Mourns for Morn? That's correct. Steve Itzen played a Vulcan in Enterprise's first season in the episodes Shadows of Pajem. Which two members of Enterprise's crew are taken prisoner in this episode? Uh, is it uh, Archer and Paul? You are correct. One to one today, gentlemen. Yay, a tie. All right, so it's just convenient. We got a few things to talk about. Uh, it's, it's convenient because uh, you know today is a shorter episode anyway, so we've got the time to talk a little bit. Um, I'm going to do. I would like to discuss briefly. I went to Creation's 50th anniversary convention uh, last week in Vegas. Um, there were just a couple of things I wanted to mention. Um, I mean, I should say I, I still have my – I haven't been to a creation show in five years. The last time I went was for the 45th anniversary. Um, and I still have my same basic complaints about creation. Those are still true. Um, I don't need to go into them again um, because I've talked about it before and that's not that interesting. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, creation is not going to change. So that, like, caveat there. Um it was cool to see there were some people that I don't think that, – that had either never been to a creation show like Neil McDonough or have never been to a convention at all like Whippy Goldberg and Kirstie Alley. You know, there's, there were, they had some like big stars. Usually you know, the, the talent isn't as interesting to me as the producers and the writers, and that's one of the cool things about the bigger creation shows because they'll actually get you know, writers and producers. Um, but when you've got talent as big as freaking Whoopi Goldberg, you know, I made sure to be at that panel. I wanted, to, I wanted mm -hmm. to hear, you know, and it's and it is it is kind of funny when you see some people as big as Whoopi Goldberg, you know, Kirstie Alley, you know, 
etc. Um, one of the reasons they're so successful is they've got you know they've just got charisma and personality despair you know um, and you forget that until you see a person like that um, but you know some, that stuff was fun but um, uh, I'm going to for the most part limit my comments to stuff that I think would be interesting to our listeners so um, I went to the panel where the Akutas showed off their new encyclopedia which I am oddly excited for I will definitely be buying but it's it's pretty cool if you like, if you were into the old encyclopedias, um, it's like that, but even more. It's like two two volumes now that comes in one box and they're hardcover. Um, so you know, it, admitting the making changes for modern back then, people bought the encyclopedias to actually use them encyclopedia as encyclopedias. But today, let's face it, if you buy it, it's more of like a collecting thing and a fun thing. Um, so they understand that, and then they've made it more fun to own, you know. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, I went on, I think it was Thursday or Friday morning. No, Friday, yeah, Friday morning. Uh, the Akutas and Roger Lay, Rod Roddenberry, and Trevor, I don't remember his last name. He's from Roddenberry Entertainment. He's one of the producers on Discovery. Uh, they talked about this Roddenberry vault. Have you guys heard about this? They announced it at Comic-Con actually a couple weeks back. Have you heard about it? Mm-mm. No. Okay, so basically they had a, you know, Gene had a vault of like all the outtakes from the original series. Like, you know, if they shot, you know, roll the camera. And this is the take they actually used, but he had all the bits before and after mm-hmm. that was actually used in the episodes. So they had he had like a vault full of cans, and none of it was labeled and properly, and it was all mixed. And um, so they've spent almost a decade going through that, and they didn't announce it until a couple weeks ago. But they spent almost a decade going through that and getting out like just a few seconds here or there. I think they said the longest clip they have is maybe a minute. Um, but just all these little pieces, you know, they said like 90% of the footage that they found is pointless or useless and, you know, but there's enough there that they found that's, that's, you know, a treasure and cool. And they think people would love to see that they've spent years and years going through all this footage and digitizing it, um, and organizing it. And then, so now they've kind of cut it instead of just playing, just saying, here's all the footage they've kind of cut it into a sort of new documentary with new interviews and stuff to kind of give each clip some context. Um, so, I mean, on one hand, of course, it's it's, it's neat to see, you know, they played us a little bit, you know, to see like, you know, here's a almost like a deleted scene from an episode. Mm-hmm. They actually do sort of have that a little bit for a couple of episodes, like deleted scenes from the original series. From all the times we've watched the original series, you know, over the years, you know, <laughs> it, it's weird to see something new. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that's fun and that's exciting. Um, somehow, my excitement for it was tampered a little bit by watching the watching it more of a, as a, a documentary where they just cut to these things as instead of featuring them, they're more like you know, it's more like a documentary where these are just little clips that are backing up stuff that people are saying. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It seems like they've. It almost seems like they've they've made it made it the co-star in its own starring show or something. <laughs> oddly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But, you know, um, they're going to release release it with like a dozen episodes, mostly the kind of episodes where the footage comes from. I've, I already own the episodes of the original <laughs> <laughs> over. 
that that also turns me off. So I mean, I, they didn't talk price points. They just said it's going to come out this fall. I mean, if it's cheap, I, of course I'm. I, I'll definitely want to see it. But if it comes out at some high price point, and I feel like I'm paying for stuff I've already I already own three times, four times over, then I, you know maybe I'll just wait for a sale or something. But <laughs> anyway, it is kind of neat to see stuff that YouTube you've not seen before. Um, I went to a panel where Rod and Trevor was were supposed to be talking about Discovery, but um, it became a running joke. By the end of the hour, people were laughing because any every single question somebody asked, the answer was, we can't talk about that, or we wish we could tell you, or we, we wish we could talk about that, or we were told we can't talk about that, or, you know, I mean, it was kind of silly. They, they said nothing. Um, that said, in a minute, we're going to be discussing something else about Discovery. Uh, but the panel they had then was a complete waste of time, and it was dumb because that room was pretty full for that. You know, their main room was like five, seats 5,000 people, and there were only a couple of times all weekend the room was pretty full. That was one of them, and they had nothing for us. Nothing. Nothing. It was totally pointless. Um, um, I don't need to talk about that. Uh, Ira Stephen Bear, you know, the, the showrunner for DS9, he talked about this is awesome. So he's been working for a couple of years now, I guess, on a DS9 documentary. And he says it's hopefully coming out next year. Hmm. Um, and he got everybody that was involved with DS9. He interviewed them. Um, with the exception of Avery Brooks, everybody hmm. is, is, is in this documentary, which sounds really cool. And here's the freakiest part. You guys, have, you guys heard about this? Uh, so he said he got, he got the, the main writers together for one day in one room and they broke the first episode of season eight i mean just for fun <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> that sounds great i really want to see that and they, they got it all on you know they were it's all it's in the documentary um so that sounds really cool um Scott Bakula's panel was funny because 90% of the questions were still about Quantum Leap. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and then, then, um, of course, the the panel I was probably most excited about was uh, Ron Moore, Brandon Braga, and how do you say his name? Nareen Shankar? Uh, The writers. They had like a writer's panel. Um, It seems like they were mostly just asked about current stuff they were working on. You know, Ron Moore got asked about Outlander and Brandon Braga got asked about Salem, is it that show? Anyway, somebody did ask Brandon Braga about the finale, you know, the last episode of Enterprise. And we've heard before that he, that he's, I don't know if regret's the right word, but he considers it a misfire now. Um, I thought the way that the woman asked the question was pretty leading, but at the end of his answer, it was, yeah, it's, it was a misfire. It, you know, nobody sets out to make a bad episode, but. That one didn't work. Oh, but the reason I mentioned that is because the one thing he said that was interesting that I had not heard before, he said, Scott Bakula is the not literally, he said, he's literally the nicest man I've ever met. And that was the only time he got mad at me. (laughs) Was when he saw that they were not the stars of their own series finale. Um, So, you know, there were a lot of reasons that I almost, didn't go to this 50th anniversary convention you know for one thing I went by myself which I have never done before Steve and I have gone 
Steve, you've, you've gone with me in years past. And last, mm-hmm. In fact, I think the first time it was the other way around. It was more like me going with you 20 years ago. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, Steve had his baby this summer. And anyway, I, there were some other reasons, too, that I, that I almost didn't go. But I just kept, I just kept feeling like it's the 50th anniversary. If I'm, I mean, if I'm only going to go to one, I got to go. I mean, I have to go to the 50th. <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. I think that this is the first time they've stretched it out over five days. That was, you know, just like it sounds, a stretch, you know. But, um, you know, there was enough cool stuff there that it was worth it. And it really is. It feels so good every time. Unlike, you know, like I, I go to – I used to go to Comic-Con every year. Now I've been just going to WonderCon every year. And I'm going to continue to go to those those things every year. But, but as opposed to those kind of conventions where you see people in cosplay for everything. Here you show up and it's just – there's people are just in their Star Trek – uniforms you know and star trek outfits and, and i saw some crazy ones um uh the craziest one i saw I, I will say i think this is what it is and that should give you an idea of the of what it looked like i think somebody was dressed up as the black targus creature that kills yar <laughs> <laughs> nice um, but i mean there was there was not there was there was there were i saw more than one person dressed up as things that were only in the original series, <laughs> you know. Did you take um, any pictures, Brian? Come on. Nah, I took a couple of pictures, but eh, they're really just for me. I sent you guys a picture of me and my son in front of the. I took my son yeah. just for the first day. They had this cool, like, you know that. Actually, it's funny because like Roddenberry Entertainment released a 50th anniversary logo first, and I thought that was like the official one. This is a couple years ago or, or year and a half ago. I thought that was the official logo, and I thought, God, that's terrible. I listeners of our show know I like to buy Star Trek stuff. You know, I buy less nowadays. I used to buy stuff knowing it was going straight into my closet. I don't really do that anymore. You know, I, I like, but I like, I like merch, Star Trek merchandise and stuff. I like buying that stuff, especially, you know, now I'm only going to buy it if it's something I'm going to actually use or display. So I don't buy as much as I used to. But even when I don't buy it, I'm very interested in it and seeing what they got, you know. But so I remember being disappointed when Roddenberry Entertainment released their 50th anniversary logo because I thought it sucked, and I, but I thought it was the official Paramount one. And then not long after Paramount released what was the official Paramount CBS 50th anniversary logo, and it's like the Delta Shield with like the 50 inside of it. And I think that one looks really cool. That's the official one. Anyway, at this convention, they had this massive, like I don't know, 12 feet tall or something um, version of that logo, 50th anniversary logo, and they even had somebody the entire five days. A volunteer, I mean, obviously a different person, but there was somebody there the whole time just to help people take their pictures in front of it, which which I thought was really cool. So I did get a picture of my son and I in front of that. Okay. Um, so, oh, and I also, I got to see Andy Robinson, as I've talked about Garrick being my favorite, and I'd never seen him before, and I was glad to see him. Okay. Um, so the creation show was fun. Okay. Now. Right before we recorded tonight, the uh, TCA, what does it stand for? Television Critics Association. They put out a bunch of details about Discovery. Now, why they didn't say this stuff four days ago at the panel, (laughs) like, you know, one of the biggest Star Trek conventions ever, where they had, like, all this press, I don't know. That seemed like a stupid decision. If they were ready to say it four days later to add people, why didn't they say it four days ago to Star Trek fans with a ton of press? I don't know. I don't understand that. I think that was a stupid choice but the gist of it is i'm sure all of our listeners have already experienced seeing the details but if you haven't go to your favorite trek news site i'm sure they've got them so among other things we heard 
um, that the, the main star is actually not going to be the captain of the ship. It's going to be like the second in command. Um, and that is going to be a woman. Um, and the whole show takes place about 10 years before Kirk's five-year mission. And it's in the prime timeline, not the Kelvin universe. Let's see. Um, I think he said there's going to be a robot or robots. There's going to be more aliens than usual. Um, he did say there would be a gay character. Um, but there would be both male and female leads. Am I missing anything of the, you know, the, the, the main news released today? That sound about right? I think um, uh, what was it that it's going to take place during the, just like a, I'm talked about, I mean, what are they talking about? Oh yeah. Some, he said it's, it's centered around some event that was mentioned in the original series, but it has never been explored. And so far, Nobody's coming up with any good guesses. He he confirmed that it's not the Axanar uh, War. Has nothing to do with the Romulan War, though. Obviously, that would have been much earlier. Um, but Axanar was like twenty years before the original series, if I remember correctly. Which means this is this would have been after that anyway. Um, so yeah, it's based on something that's been talked about, but we don't know that yet. So this is, as I say this now, this is August 2016. He said there's going to be another data dump in October. And, of course, the show premieres in January. Um, um, hey, quick question. Do you think they would um, – I don't know. you think this has come up in this discussion? Do you think there would ever be a possibility that any of the movie – the current movie actors could make a s- spot in this show? Maybe not. Um, like, that's I'm, been discussed, but – I did see a rumor that um, Winona Ryder might appear. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, As Spock's mom. Yeah. Okay. I. I mean, yeah. who would say who's going to send the show off? Isn't it because it's kind of been tradition to have a former cast? Yes. Person. Yeah. That that would be interesting. Yeah. It would have to be DePaul. That would be the only person I could think who could do it. Archer Archer's would still be alive, probably. He'd be really old, but about the same age that. McCoy was. You know, in McCoy was. Yeah. yeah, in Farpoint. Um, so Archer could still... Be, well, in Kelvin timeline, we know Archer was still alive around around this time because of the, the whole story with Scotty and his and his um, Archer's dog. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so assuming the same, it's the same in the Prime, Archer could still be alive. Scott Bakula did say, because, you know, I don't know if any, everybody's watched it, but the Comic-Con panel with Brian Fuller, where he moderated a panel in Hall H with... Um, Scott Bakula, William Shatner, I think it was Jerry Ryan. No, no, Michael Dorn. I, I don't remember. Um, <laughs> uh, that panel, you can watch it on, on YouTube and stuff. It's not that interesting, but um, you know, Scott Bakula saw and spoke with him then. And uh, at Scott Bakula's panel at the Creation Show, he said Fuller said something to him about, "Oh, we'd love to have you on our show, on our, the new show." Um, but Bakula said it like. But, you know, who knows if anything will happen. You hear that sort of thing all the time in Hollywood. So, at least, you know, there's some part of Fuller that has considered it or, you know. So, there there could be and that that would be fun. Um, But I I think it could be very exciting to not have the captain be the lead, you know. I mean, that sounds sounds interesting. It sounds different. Um, We – I remember how much we've talked about how much we loved Lower Decks, you know. 
as an episode. Um, I mean, this isn't that far. This is only one step removed from the captain, but um, it sounds like it's really featuring a... You know, you try to imagine the show. It's a, it's a subtle difference between saying um, Kirk is the lead or Spock is the lead. But mm-hmm. it would be a difference, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. You know, I've already seen the comments tonight. You know, there, there are plenty of people saying, you know, being upset about this or that. But the truth is, I'm excited. I get excited about these things. I, I'm like excited and still until proven wrong. <laughs> you know, because why not? Why not mm-hmm. be excited? Um, well, Brian, so, I, I wanna when I read that, it was interesting to me because, um, of course. Each of the captains have driven, the, you know, have driven each of the shows. But I mean, if you look at um, Next Generation and um, T Space Nine, yes, um, it was um, Cisco and Picard that drove those those series. But I mean, it was very much an ensemble cast, and you got a lot of different episodes from the characters. So I'm be interesting to see if they're going to do that, or if the captain is going to be distant. How 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 they're going to handle handle that because. By the time I got to the end of um, Next Generation, I kind of felt like I didn't feel like it was just um, Patrick Stewart. It was, you know, like like it was with the original series, where it was kind of more, you know, Shatner. The Kirk character was the dominant one, and felt it was more ensemble. So it'll be interesting to see how they do this. But no, I don't disagree with you. I I like the idea of having a different point of view. It's just kind of fresh. So so let's like like a second ago I said like why not be excited that's how I feel but I do want to say so a uh, frequent um um a listener who's Dan who has sent us emails before and um he he wrote in and now his he sent his email before this these new details that Brian Fuller released today or if you're listening to this the day our podcast comes out yes today. Uh, he sent this email before that, um, but he offers a couple of reasons why he is not excited. Um, the first thing he talks about is he thinks he feels like um, if this TV show is in the prime timeline and you, you've got ongoing movies in the Kelvin timeline, that that seems like a mistake. There should be more of an interaction. They should be in the same timeline. Um, and, and he, as his comparison, he talked about um, the Marvel... TV and film universe versus the DC uh, film and TV universe. Um, there's some logic to what you're saying, but to me, the difference is one is not canceling out the other. And that's what you get with the DC. Like, wait a minute, that's the Flash and that's the Flash? This doesn't make sense. But in Star Trek, in this situation, they are two universes that are all part of star trek universe you know what i mean like um, well i mean it's kind of a way i think they kind of to satisfy both fan bases i think in a way they said it 10 years before so you know if you're you can still be a fan of the movies because five-year mission yeah before i mean before you know before kirk and this is before even the jj kirk so no 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 what no no but hang on this is still a totally different timeline the kelvin timeline is is initiated before this if they were in the Kelvin timeline, it's going to look and feel right. Oh, yeah, right. that's right. Yeah, you're right. You're yeah. right. I forgot that. Yeah, they came when Kirk was born. You're correct. Yeah. Um, so, well, you know, kind of on that same point. So, you know, he also asked about, um, I said we, we, <laughs> we'd skip it because we don't have time, but I'll say it again. Um, 
it's it you know talking about how hard it was for me when when the first JJ movie came out. You know, it's not it had nothing to do with the quality. Um that I, that that it was hard for me this second timeline. It was because as a Trekkie versus a Trekker, you know, I'm I'm a more of a Trekker and I and I I want to live in this universe and feel um feel it to be true. And I knew so over 700 hours of television that defined this world for me. And then, and then we had a movie that said, I thought, was saying, you know, none of that happened. Um, but that's not what it was saying. It really was saying, nope, this is an alternate universe. This is an alternate universe. Not even like Mirror Mirror. You know, not even like the Mirror Universe, because that's, that's not the same thing here either. Um, and and when, when Fuller announced... I guess back at Comic Con that this was in the Prime timeline, not the Kelvin timeline. And add to that, you know, like the Akuda's giving the Kelvin timeline that name, the Kelvin timeline. You know, that made me feel very good because, in a way, it made me, it allowed me to love both again. You know, like I think there was, a, I had a little bit of resentment to the Kelvin timeline because I felt like it was eating away at this other stuff. And once that annou- announcement was made, it's like I can watch, I can watch that stuff free of. You know, Beyond was just fun now because I'm watching it free of that that thing that was always kind of hanging over it. You know, um, so that's that's been really great for me. So, what what do, what do you guys think about this idea of like the the show? Like, should it be set? Do you think it's confusing that it's not set in the same timeline as the features? I definitely don't. I, in fact, I think it's probably better for them because they're obviously going to be budget constrained in a way that the features wouldn't be. So it, you know, if they were trying to even make it look at that same way, it just seems like a stretch. Unlike, unlike, you know, what he's talking about, you know, when when they when the features were were completely a part of the same universe, um, those features had much much smaller budgets. You know, you had most of the feature being on <laughs> sets of the Enterprise or whatever. You know, it was a little bit more reasonable to see Spock in Undiscovered Country and around the same time see him in unification part two on that tv budget it wasn't such a it wasn't as much of a stretch as it would be now to go from you know the production value of into darkness to the production value of 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 a television show mm-hmm. but what, what, what do you guys think about this do you think it's going to be confusing do you think it's a mistake um no i don't think it's a mistake i mean if you're i mean if you're a sci-fi fan i mean if you're a sci-fi fan, you're a Star Trek fan, it's not going to be an issue. And I think if you're just even somewhat of a, if you're just a fan of the movies, I think you're going to watch the show and it's not that hard to figure out, okay, yeah, there's this whole other, you know, it's, it's not calculus here what, what they're what they're talking about. It's just two kind of different storylines, um, you know, and you're right that, you know, we were, you know, Star Trek sci-fi show, there's time traveling. I think in his email, he brought up the Terminator Um Great movie series. Um, I would disagree with him about the point where, you know, he was kind of comparing Terminator to Star Trek um, and that, you know, messing with the timelines and stuff like that. I think the difference for me is that, you know, that's how Terminator was set up as. Terminator was set up as um, going back in time. So I think to explain to Dan how why it might have bothered Star Trek fans is because that's not what Star Trek was set up. You had this whole entire things set up and then you know kind of going back so to what brian talked about but um that being said them them doing that and make that decision wasn't wasn't a problem didn't bother me 
I didn't have a problem with it, especially after seeing the first film or even them destroying Vulcan and doing all that kind of stuff. None of that bothered me. I think I, I have more problems with those films. That's like lower on the list. Okay, so are you are you excited that this new show is going to be set in the prime timeline instead of the Kelvin timeline? Would you I think have preferred I, it? I, I think I would have been excited either way. Um, I'm I'm fine. You know, I would I think I would have been fine either way. To be honest, I mean, I maybe I'm a little happier that it's in the prime universe because it's just simpler. I'm you know, and I have I'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist too. I think they're going to bring um, the Kelvin timeline back into the fold. Um, I don't I don't personally expect that, but I do think that they'll probably make this new show. They're going to probably try and keep it as accessible as possible because I don't sure. think it ever going to be reasonable to say you need to watch 700 hours of TV to watch our series. They're see, never yeah, going to be able to do that. See, that's just my own little personal hope. I mean, you know, and you saw little, little bits and pieces of it in this, and beyond, and, um, and still I think I said this in the previous podcast that, you know, having um, the character George Kirk come back is an interesting tidbit of what are they going to do with that. So, uh, it's, I see how late it is your time, guys. I'm sorry. Um, really fast, Steve, um, what are your thoughts on this Uh DC Marvel uh, equivalent question, you know, uh, TV series versus right. film series. I think, I think on the whole, basically, I think that more people would have been irritated if it would not have been in the Prime Universe than people that would like would have been irritated <laughs> who favor the the Kelvin Universe. I think so. Because, you also are excited that it's going to not be in the Kelvin. That's going to yeah, be excited. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think that it's. I think because I think on the whole. People that would want it to be in the prime universe, it would be more irritating that they're not, you know, spending the time and you know, viewer, you know, viewing an ongoing series in this universe that they've viewed all the other ongoing series in, and so forth. It, that would, that would, I think, would would um, th- that fan base would be irritated by that more than the any fans of the movies or who mostly know the these recent movies and the Kelvin universe hmm. what they I think they I think it, it doesn't matter as much you know I don't I don't I, think I like what you're getting at here that's that's probably a more elegant way of of summing up some of the things I was trying to say you know like there's an investment yeah. that, I, that I have that word yeah. comes to mind now there's an investment I have in in having watched those 700 hours um, that, Plus, they, they that, give themselves that, more of an audience this way. I think the only way a show would have worked in the Kelvin universe if it, if it was in conjunction with the movies, kind of what, what Marvel does. So it would have had to have been going on at the same time that you had you know, the new Kirk and, and all that kind of stuff. It wouldn't necessarily involve them, but it would be going on the same time where maybe you hear about the Enterprise or something like that. Kind of how in um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. you hear about Thor or something, but you never see them. So, in, in a way, okay, last thing. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, in a, in a way, it's it's a best of both worlds because you're in this, you're in the prime universe. Yeah, you're in this era that's close enough to these recent movies that you can use actors from that era. You could also use, in, in some very few cases, you could use aged actors from Enterprise. You know, so you still have some opportunity for that kind of thing. Okay, last thing. Um, one other thing that Dan mentioned that I wanted to just talk about very briefly is he feels a little turned off about some of the maybe liberal choices that it sounds like, you know, Brian Fuller has made um, about the new show. Um, Dan identified himself as a conservative Star Trek fan and and that he felt maybe alienated by some of Brian Fuller's choices. Um, 
I, you know, um, I, I, I totally respect, uh, how you feel, Dan, but I think I, I'm, I maybe, um, I, I, I don't feel the same way. Um, I know for me, you know, looking back, uh, the history of Star Trek, I, um, it's not just that they've, that they've, that they've had, um, liberal messages or things like that. Um, but I think, I think it was so, it was always so forward thinking when it comes to diversity and equality. And, and that's been, you know, um, if you look at a textbook on the history of television, you know, when it talks about Star Trek, it's think about what it's going to talk about. It's going to talk about, it's probably not really so much going to talk about, I don't know, I guess stories and stuff a little bit. But the first thing it's going to talk about is um, putting a, um, a Russian on the bridge, at, you know, at, the, at, at a high point in the Cold War. It's going to talk about a black woman. And, you know, it's going to talk about, you know, being on that bridge. It's going to talk about the first interracial kiss and things like that. You know, and I, just at that creation convention last weekend, they talked about um, – they reminded us about like that interracial kiss episode. Um, that episode didn't, uh, there were a bunch of TV stations in the South that refused to play that episode. And the ratings on that episode were the worst of the entire series <laughs> because they had a lot, a lot of places that literally didn't play it. <laughs> so obviously their ratings were atrocious. Um, and that's kind of scared Gene, they talked about this, that scared Gene out of, there were a few more things he'd planned to do, but that just, the ratings were so bad, he was like, if I do that again, they're going to cancel me. <laughs> right. But anyway, my point is that um, Star Trek has always been about, it seems to me that Star Trek has always been about diversity. Um, and 50 years later, when you look at the original series, nobody would call the, it, those things done today, nobody would call that liberal. People would say that's just how things should be. Um, so, you know, maybe 50 years from now, people will look at Discovery a certain way. I don't know. I can't say. But I do know that Star Trek Discovery takes place a long time from now, you know, and some of the, a lot of the problems in our, in our world and, and disagreements on our planet, I sure as heck hope are solved by then. You know, um, so I hope that I hope Star Trek doesn't lose fans like Dan, and I hope our podcast doesn't lose fans like Dan, um, listeners like Dan, um, because I think that hearing both sides of this conversation is incredibly important, and I think that um, if there's anything that, as I get older, becomes fundamental to me in living my life and how I, how I raise my son, uh, it's empathy and understanding, um, people that think differently than I do. Um, and, uh, respecting those differences and, and really, truly feeling like I can learn from them. Um, I had an hour, literally an hour long conversation today with 
someone who is on the opposite political spectrum as me. And, you know, it would have been very, you know, talking about our upcoming presidential election, it would have been very easy for me as my <laughs> instincts kept trying to do to like dismiss some of the things that he was saying as, well, but you know what? I didn't. And I, and I kept talking to him and I really, I, I, I learned a couple of th things. I really did. And I was able to get to a place in that conversation with him um, where I felt like, okay, I, I understand. It sounds like in a way you and I want the same things. We disagree about how to get there, but we have, we've got common ground here. Um, we can have a conversation and, and I think that's just uh, really, really important. And then that's how we grow and growing is how we can be better people. And when we leave this planet, if we can leave it just the tiniest, tiny bit better than we found it, then we've been successful. And, and this sort of, well, discovery is the way to do that in, in my opinion. And now that I've been very verbose and Adam and Steve are probably asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention our audience, Brian. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, they're, they're long gone. Uh, <laughs> Steve, Adam, you guys got anything you want to add on that? Um, I would say this to Dan. Um, I'm I'm not really sure what he's what he's what he's talking about, so I'm not gonna assume one way or another. I would say this to him. I'm like, um, I don't give up on Star Trek. Um, it's got something for everybody. Um, the show's always been about diversity and not preaching social issues or anything like. To me, it's never been preachy. To me, it's been more about you know questioning social issues and social norms and that's what good science fiction does that's what good storytelling does and if um star trek continues on that legacy that they've been doing for the past 50 years i think this show will be very good and um i think you will enjoy it dan like i said star trek's got something for everybody from if you're ultra conservative moderate conservative middle of the road liberal or way lefty um there's something for everybody in star trek and i think that's why everybody loves it across all, even, even people in other countries who probably have vastly, vastly different social and political norms than any of us. Um, there are parts of Star Trek that can still speak to them. So, Dan, please, please check it out. Keep, keep watching. Um, I, I'm with you on the fact that I'm not happy with CBS and about having to um, not only pay for the subscription to see it, but also have to watch commercials. So, yeah, that's so get there. I'm not happy with CBS at all. So yeah, um, and people say, "Oh, that's what you do with Hulu." No, no, no. I pay a subscription for Hulu and I watch ads. Yeah, but I watch like two ads. They're talking about pretty much regular ads, twelve minutes for an episode per episode. No, that's lame. That that does tick me off. I'm still gonna do it, but that does tick me off. Uh, Steve, you got any thoughts on this? Um, any of this? No, I have nothing to add. Very good. Uh, so I know it's really late your time wise guys. So thanks for sticking with it. And to our listeners, um, thank you. If you're still with us, you're a trooper. <laughs> it's a long one. Um, so, um, you can send us an email, check companion at gmail.com, our Facebook page, which I just had someone say, we should really post more on there. I know we've been tweeting a little bit more, but we should put more stuff on our Facebook page. Somebody just asked me about that the other day. That's facebook.com slash Trek companion. And um, we're going to get on that. <laughs> uh, or you can follow us on Twitter, at Trek Companion. Um, I'm very excited. In two weeks, we are going to do the last three episodes of Enterprise and finish. That'll be episode 149. And then two weeks after that, literally on the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, we will be posting our 150th episode. And we will be discussing the beginning of the original series. 
And we did not plan that out, guys. 150, it just happened to be that way. It just happened. Isn't that cool? And we didn't plan out necessarily for the original series to start on the 50th anniversary, but it's it's happening it's that way, which is awesome. Yeah, it's great. So, thanks again for spending an hour with us, and until next time, take it easy. Bye. See ya. Stefan, I passed it.